Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, and thank you for joining us this summer in our long walk with Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at three parables Jesus told to describe the kingdom of God and how it grows. And they're recorded in Mark chapter 4. So if you want to grab your Bible and turn to that passage, now would be a good time to do so. Now, joining me this morning is one of our partner congregation pastors, Ramesh Tamang. Uh, he is the pastor of the Bhutanese Nepali Eternal Life Fellowship Church, who will be begin meeting here at Ebenezer in our new meeting room once we officially reopen. Now, I'm beyond thrilled to have him share with us this morning, and I'm thrilled that you have the opportunity to get to know him better. In the past year in particular, I have spent more time with Ramesh and the other church partner pastors, and this man uh, continues to impress me and bless me. Ramesh is someone who, who genuinely and deeply loves the Lord. He is someone who intently and actively and carefully listens for God to speak, and then when he does, Ramesh faithfully obeys. And Ramesh is a servant leader who genuinely loves his church. And even beyond that, Ramesh cares deeply about the entire Nepali Bhutanese community here in the city. And uh, he has a real passion just to share the good news of Jesus in his kingdom to all those in this community. Now, over the last while, Ramesh has blessed me and humbled me and challenged me. And I'm glad to call him a co-laborer and friend. So, Ramesh, welcome to Ebenezer Online Service. Yeah, thank you very much, Pastor Layden. So, it's my greatest privilege and honor to be here for this sermon. And since we are as a, as a partner congregation, so it's, it's, we are so thankful and blessed with your church and especially you. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, Ramesh. Now, uh, some of the weeks over the summer, our missionaries, guests, have chosen the text for us to study because it resonated with their lives and ministry. But this week, I've chosen the passage, and I've done so specifically with you in mind, because in my view, uh, your personal story and the story of your church are a living illustration and example of what Jesus teaches in these three parables on the kingdom of God. And I, and, I want, and I know that our congregation is going to be encouraged and inspired and challenged and convicted as, as uh, we listen to you share your story. Now, Ramesh, many of us though, uh, watching today don't know that story. So why don't you begin just by telling us a bit about yourself? For sure. Yeah, I was born in Bhutan into a Buddhist family. So Bhutan is a country... Um, monarchical system and it's a strong Buddhist country so there is Christianity is banned in 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 this country so because of some political issues uh, so we left our country with uh, with our with my parents when I was eight years old so then I came to Nepal as in the refugee camp so I started and I grew up there in the refugee camp and I studied there and I also, it started my some part of life uh, in the refugee camp. So, 
Yeah, so I think you said to me earlier that you lived in a refugee camp all the way from age eight uh, through to age 25. So 17 years in total before uh, Canada opened the doors and allowed families like you to immigrate here. So that, that's, that's incredible. Um, so tell us a bit more about, about the refugee campus. You were there for 17 years, so you went to school there. What else happened there? Yeah, mostly my childhood, childhood was in the, uh, spent in the refugee camp. So it is, a, it is a camp like in the Nepal. So it's under UNHCR. So I, yeah. I study in the refugee camp school. And I also get, uh, get chance to make lots of new friends there because uh, most of the people, they were un, unknown to me, but slowly I get to them and, I spend my most of my childhood, adult, teenage, everything in the refugee camp. Yeah. And when you say you got to know some friends there, what you mean is you met your wife there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then, yes. and you actually got married in the refugee camp and you began your family there as well. So, so that, that's, that's amazing to, to hear that. So uh, now, um, you, you came to Canada, so why don't you tell us a bit about your decision to come to Canada and kind of the process to get here? Uh, yeah, it's uh, the reason I came to Canada is I have no choice. Like the government of Bhutan, they don't want to take us back, and the government of Nepal, they don't want to settle us. So the organization called IOM, which is International Organization for uh, migration. So through this, uh, this organization brought and program called Third Country Settlement. So the, they came with this program and uh, there are seven countries at that time to taking, uh, accepting refugees. So uh, then I just fill out the form for, and I chose the country Canada. And it was a big decision for me and because this is a completely new country and no relatives, no families, no friends. So, but still, I just call to, to, for the interview, but they asked me where you wanna go in Canada. But I said to them, so I don't know because I'm all known about that. And I just said only Canada. So they, they choose me the official, the government of official, the, the, the official people, they choose themselves and I was sent here. So, so you, you, were, you were sent to Saskatoon. That, that's, that's amazing. Um, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that because I think what we're going to discover, it, it was you were sent by the officials, but actually God led you here. It's quite a story. So now, now describe what it was like when you arrived in, in this new country uh, to a city that you've never heard of before. Uh, yeah, when I first time landed uh, in the Saskatoon airport, so <clears throat> I was unknown about that. Like I even I don't know like whether there was Nepalese people or not, but I saw a couple of people there in the airport who ex they were they were they were there at that time to uh, like to uh, to receive me. They they came there and some officials from the open door. So. It was like when I saw some people at least, so I was a little bit happy at that time. And that's how, yeah, I came to Canada, so. Yeah, and, and so give us like, you told me about how much luggage you guys brought. So just tell us about that. 
Uh, yeah, it was like we usually get one bag uh, per person. So in my family, we three uh, we three came, my me and my wife and my daughter. So we carry we brought a three bags of um, luggage bag and. When I landed in, in Saskatoon airport, so at that time I got like $200 US dollar in my pocket and just the three bags of worth what I have at that time. So, Wow. Well, that's remarkable to think, you know, with all that we have here, that you arrived in this country with all your earthly possessions and three bags and then $200 US, which is like $400 Canadian in your back pocket, but that's that's not very much. And uh, that's typical of all refugees that come. And just for our church family, just so you know, it was it was around that time God prompted us as a church family to begin a new work in Meadow Green, which is a place where some of these refugees were going. And what we learned uh, post our decision to go there is that Canada began to open the door and so did Saskatchewan. And uh, they made a commitment to bring 6,500 of the uh, Bhutanese Nepali refugees to Canada, uh, 6,500 of a camp of about 100,000, I, I would add. And uh, that, was a, that was 1,000 people a year to Canada. So right now, you know, statistically, there are 6,500 immigrants from Bhutan, and now plus the families that they've, they've grown here. So let me move on, uh, Ramesh. And you mentioned earlier that you were born into a Buddhist family. So uh, can you tell us then how you became a follower of Jesus Christ? Yeah, honestly, even before I really knew about anything about Jesus, uh, but there is uh, like when I was working in different uh, place in the different city where I used to live, but so I got a job there. So during that time, so I, I always like to treat people equally in my life and and I always I'm too upset with the some people they mistreat to people because we are all same uh, that's what I thought but the certainly one time one of my students uh, she asked me that so, uh, what is your religion and she asked that question but suddenly from my mouth I spoke I'm a Christian but I wasn't Christian at that time and during this time, so I just spoke like I'm a Christian and slowly later, like it, it really, I was too much curious to learn about more. And when I came back home, so I talked to my family and they were all upset with me because they thought that he already made some Christian friends in the, in that school or in that place. That's why he wanted to go to Christian. Now he, his brain was washed by somebody. They thought like that. Mm. And they, they were totally upset, and but I told them, no, I really want to learn know uh, about him, and I really want to learn the truth. And then my parents, they were totally upset with me, and they like my dad told me that if you want to go, you can go alone, but you can't take your wife and my uh, your daughter in the church, but you have to go by yourself, and you are not allowed to participate any kind of our ritual things. They told me that. So I said, that's fine. So that's how yeah, I started. So you went by, went by yourself and that was your beginning. Yeah. Okay. So now uh, it's an amazing story and we're going to hear more about it, but I want to stop you there right now and let's turn to our scripture today. 
And uh, that's Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 21 to 32. Now, uh, to our, our viewing audience and also to Ramesh, uh, you know, you probably know that Jesus often taught using parables. And for those that might not be familiar with that term, parables were, were metaphors or analogies that, that drew upon common and shared experiences to teach a deeper truth, and in this case, a deeper spiritual truth. And Jesus would often tell a story or parable to, to take something, a, a spiritual truth that was unfamiliar to the people, and then use a common object and then draw some parallels or comparisons so that what was um, previously unknown would become better known through the common element. Now, in the fourth chapter of Mark, uh, we, we see uh, Jesus teaching here, and, and he teaches, uh, you know, four parables in succession to the crowds that were following him. And those parables were the parable of the sower, uh, the parable of the lamp, the parable of the growing seed, and the parable of the mustard seed. And uh, all four of these parables teach us something about the kingdom of God and how it grows. Now, in the first parable, uh, Jesus illustrates the four general ways people respond to the word of God in his kingdom by talking about farming, which was something that, was, that everyone was familiar with. Now, we don't have time to really dig into this parable this morning, but let me quickly summarize it because it does connect to the parables that we will be looking at in more detail. In this first parable, Jesus describes the four types of soil a farmer's seed would typically fall on as he scattered his seed by hand. And some would land on the path where it would be trampled or eaten by, uh, other, by birds. Some would land on rocky places where it might sprout, but it would die quickly because of its inability to take root. Some would fall in the weeds and thorns where, where it would germinate, but eventually be choked out by the weeds and never produce fruit. And then some would fall on the farmer's cultivated field and produce a crop. Now, this is one of the parables that the, one of the only parables that Jesus explained in the scripture. And later he tells his disciples that the seed in his story was referring to the word of God. And the four soils were the conditions of the human heart. Now, the hard path, soil on the, of the path described man's hardened heart. And with this heart, the seed of God's word would ne never had a chance to really take root. Rather, it was crushed by others or taken away by Satan. The rocky soil is a description of a shallow or superficial heart. And, and the seed of God's word germinates, but because it doesn't take root properly, it withers and dies as soon as it faces adversity. Then there was the thorny soil, and that was a description of, of a worried or anxious heart. And it describes a person that accepts and believes God's word, but lives an unproductive, unfruitful life because they are so consumed by life's problems and by the worries that come their way. And then finally, there's the good soil, and it describes a ready or receptive heart. And, and this is the heart that readily receives God's word, lets it become deeply rooted in their life, and as a result, produces a, a much spiritual fruit. Now, Ramesh, even as I, I think about these, so, these soils today and describe them, and knowing what's to come in your story, it's obvious to me that, that your response to the word of God was like the seed that fell on the good soil. Now, in the next three parables, which are the ones we're going to focus on today, uh, we're going to move from man's response to God to a description of God's kingdom and how God is going to expand it and make it fruitful. 
So let's look at the first parable uh, in this section, the parable of the lamp, and it's found in verses 21 to 25. So let's, let's read this together. And it says that Jesus began with a question, and this is what he said. Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that has been hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to the light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, we're going to pause right there, and we're going to talk about these first few verses so that we can understand Jesus' teaching. Uh, in this parable, the common object that Jesus uses to illustrate his spiritual truth is a lamp. Now, of course, the lamps people used in those first in that first century were were very different than the electric lamps that we use today. And, and when we got to dis- got together to discuss this passage, you actually lit up when we talked about this because you have personal experience with the types of lamp that were used in that day. So, can you explain that to us? Uh, for sure. Yeah, I have the I have the experience of using those kinds of lamp. Uh, the, during the time of Jesus, what he was talking, that kind of lamp. So when I was living in the refugee camp, there was no electricity. So obviously we used a uh, different kind of lamp, uh, either a clay lamp, clay dish lamp, or the uh, metal lamp. And we use with the kerosene or the cooking, cooking oil. So those are the kinds of lamp. Well, use in my lifetime. So lamp here in Jesus' days were simple. They were clay dishes filled with the oil and wick to burn. Now remember, in in that day, there there were matches to easily easily light the wick. So rather than dusting the lamp, people would put cover over it, and they didn't want to need light. So yeah. that's how it does. Yeah, so they would keep the, the light lit so they didn't have to relight it, and they just put yeah. the cover over top of it. So then, uh, what does this lamp represent in this parable then? Well, if we connect to this first parable, it represents the Word of God. And that's the align with other scriptures, like in Psalm 119.105, which says, Your Word is a lamp onto my feet. Mm-hmm. But it is also clearly referenced to Jesus, the living word, who is the light of the world. Yeah. And so when Jesus asked the question, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Um, in verse 21, uh, what spiritual truth does he want his listeners to understand? Yeah, Jesus is declaring is that he didn't come to the world to be. So he, he came to sign this world and he came to show himself to the world the the truth of the word should be explored so yeah yeah exactly and, and jesus was the lamp that came to reveal something that had not been revealed earlier and that something was was the kingdom of god now um let's move into the next few verses verse 24 says this and then it says then he added pay close attention to what you hear the closer you listen the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. Or another version puts it this way, by the measure you use, it'll be measured and added to you. Now to those who are listening to my teaching, more understanding will be given, but to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Now Ramesh, when when I read these verses, 
I actually think of you. Especially the verse that says, by the measure you use, it will be measured and added to you. And I can't help but think of your story. Not only did you arrive in Canada with basically nothing physically, but you actually arrived having very little spiritually. So why don't you tell us a bit more about, about your story then? Yeah, that's true. As I already uh, mentioned earlier, I've, I first believed in Jesus in Nepal, but I didn't get a chance to get a more know about Jesus deeply. But as soon as I came to <clears throat> uh, in Meadow Green in Saskatoon, so where I got chance to meet with the man of God, Pastor Rick and Pastor just uh, Pastor Justin. So through the, uh, when I saw their working in the kingdom, and when I saw their their honesty to the people, serving to the people, so that really impressed me. And I I got chance to involve with these two men in the household nation in the ministry world. So I really get. I learned lots of things, and actually, I can say that these are the guy who disciple me in the kingdom of God. So, yeah, that that's amazing, and it's just an affirmation of God calling us to plant a church there, and to be able to to connect with people like you, who have who have continued to grow and multiply. You know, so again, as I think about you, I, I realize um, it didn't take long for God's truth to take root in your life. And you, you solidified your decision to follow Christ by being baptized. And, and I was actually there that day. And I think we're going to throw a few pictures on the screen to show our viewers. Um, I love the Elvis shirt, by the way. But, but what I didn't realize is that shortly after your baptism, the Nepali and Bhutanese Christian community asked you to lead them. Is that true? Yes, that's true. And so what, what did you think when they first asked you? So my first third, like, I said to them, like, how can I lead? So, so they, like, I know that who am I, right? So I said, like, I can't lead this, and I don't have any experience, and I don't have any biblical education or training. So that's what I told them. So, yeah, I said no to them first time. Okay, but, but <laughs> now here you are, right? So you, you ended up saying yes and, and uh, mm-hmm. early on. So why did you do that? But at the end, like, uh, so one time when I, like, the God gave me vision and he was asking, like, he was showing, he was asking me to lead his people. So that's why I said, finally, I said to yes to them. Okay. So uh, there's more to that vision than, than you have mentioned there. So, so tell us what that vision was and then what you've come to believe that vision meant. Yeah, like first time when I saw the vision, God took me a different places. I know I never been that kind of place. So, and he took me a different place and that was a big, big tree. And there were lots of big, big branches. And I never saw that kind of branches in my life still today, but I saw that branches. And he was, he told me that I choose you among your people to lead these people. So, hmm. Look up, look, look at up there, there, and see these are the big branches. You see that, and these branches will protect you, and I will walk with you. I, you have to uh, lead these people, and there is no any other way that I can transfer. So you have to be with me, and and you have to lead these people. And finally, and I said to, 
I, I confess myself and if this is true, then I have to do this. And I said to them, yes. And as soon as I, I said to the people, and some people, they're very happy. And some people, they laugh because they know me, right? So how he will lead this? But the Lord was with me. And the, when Justin and Rick hear about this, and they told, yeah, we were going to help you. Whatever I have to do, I will, we will help you, he told me. And there was a, and this, I got this two men on my side. And at the same time, also, I got an, another lady who I never knew her, but see, like I talked with her a couple of times, but I like, she don't know about me and I don't know about her. But one day she just came to my house and bringing a big Bible with translation and everything that, that, that Bible really helps me still today. So, and I realized that this is the word of God and he's sending people to me, to help me, to guide me. And through Pastor Rick and Pastor Justin, I also meet you, Pastor Layden. So it's, it's, it's like my, I always feel very blessed when I meet you, when I come in this church. So I really think that the branches that saw me by the God. So I think you are the branches for that Lord has showed me. So, yeah. You know, I, I heard that story. This is the second time. And I have to say that, that when you're telling a story of God speaking to you, this new believer, and saying, I'm calling you to lead my people. It actually brought goosebumps to me just listening to that. And that you would be, that you would be faithful to that. Um, and I was, we were sharing in my office just before that, that the, the approach is opposite, right? So in Canada, if you want to become a leader, you have to go for training. And then maybe we'll let you a leader, become a leader. And here, God called you and he says, I'm going to, lead you and guide you and protect you and be with you and you will be a leader for me. And, and I'm just, it's remarkable to me that you would say yes to that and how, how God has used you. You had one other story you shared. I think it's worth sharing. You, you talked about it at your baptism that someone came up to you and gave you a hug. You want to just tell us about that too? Uh, yeah. When I was baptized, uh, like baptized during that time, that um, like lots of people they know, uh, Anjali Sethi. So lots of people yeah. they knew, and I haven't talked with her like, and I really don't know about her, and she really don't know because I was very new at that time. But as soon as I got out from the top there, so she was so happy. I saw she. I, still, I remember that her face and. And it's still the words she's spoken is in my ears still. I don't know whether she still remember or not, but I have the, I, I, I always hear that word. And I didn't realize that at that time, well, like, because I was honored about those things. But now I really realized that the God, the spirit of the God was set upon her and the Lord was spoken at that time through her mouth. And she was so happy. I saw her face. I still have the vision of her face in my eyes, in my mind. She said that, wow, we got the Nepalese leader. But so like she actually, like she was unknown about me and how she know that. But now I realize that the word, the Lord, the God was spoken through her. So that was, that was the word. So she spoke to me. You're talking like God speaks to people. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm so encouraged by that. And, and it's neat to see how, how God just continued in multiple ways to affirm his hand upon you and uh, that you were obedient. Now, eight, that was eight years ago. Uh, has God been faithful to the word he gave you that day? Yeah, yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, we begin our fa- like our church with the three family, and we also reach up to twenty twenty families. And right now, some people they move, some people to different uh, places. Like, like there's uh, job scarcity in Saskatoon. That's why some people they lose some uh, about their family region they live, but still they are Christians. So we always every year we baptize. Uh, one or two, three people every year since I started church. So I started church in 2013 officially. So, so we, as a church, we baptize like 22 people till, and this year also we'll be baptizing a couple people because they're already ready and still we are reaching out lots of people. So whenever people are in trouble, they always get me called. I will be the last solution for them. So everywhere they try everywhere and they call me and I go there. I went there. I talk with these people, but I didn't get solution. I need your help. So when I got called from people, I feel blessed. Like the Lord told me in my vision also that I will bring you people to, towards you. You don't have to go and search people, but I will bring. Wow. So these things reminds me that the God will bring people to me. Yeah, and, and you, uh, you shared some stories. One of them is that uh, someone from your community passed away and uh, the family wasn't Christian, at least not yet. And yet uh, you were the person they called and they asked you to come and to preach the gospel to their family. Uh, and they called you. So it's, it's amazing stories. And, um, you know, I, you also told me that you asked me when we were together the other day uh, when we can do another baptism because you have a family of nine that wants to be baptized. So that, that's, that's so encouraging. And, and I'm just, when I hear you share, I'm just so encouraged. And, and honestly, I'm just humbled. Um, I'm inspired. I'm convicted. I'm challenged. When I, when I see, you know, by the measure that you use, it'll be measured and added to you. And, and here you are, you've come to the, Canada with very little, you have very little understanding of God, and yet you you chose to obey and listen, and God is just he's just blowing that up. It's it's so so encouraging. And one commentary I read commentary I read said this, um, and it, and it fits you, and it's, and hopefully it could be this is true of us too. And it said, the people who listen and understand are those who have. To them, God will give more understanding and blessings. They will continue to grow because they let God's work make a difference. God's word make a difference in their life, and uh, that, that's so true. Now, listen, uh, we're, we got to keep on going here, so let's move on to this the next parable, which is the parable of the growing seed. And this parable is about the kingdom of God and how God is going to grow it. So, can I get you to read this this parable for our church family today? Yes, yeah, sure. And verse, uh, the parable number three, the growing seed, uh, verse 26, Jesus also said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seeds on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and grows, but he, doesn't, uh, he does not understand how it happened. Verse 28, the earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through then the heads of the wheat were, are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with the sickle for the harvest time his, has come. That's, that's a great job. I'm glad when I come to your church, you don't ask me to read things in, in, in the Nepali language. <laughs> um, 
Now, now here's the wonderful and mysterious truth about God's kingdom. God's designed it to grow all on its own. And I'm sure that was, uh, that was a, a hugely comforting thought to those early followers of Jesus, just like it is to you and me, that God's kingdom is going to grow automatically, not just you know, through our efforts, uh, the efforts of men. Now, we do need to be faithful in doing our part in planting the seed, but God's promise is that he will take over and grow the kingdom. Now, in, in Saskatchewan, uh, we live in a very agricultural culture. And we, you know, we see it everywhere. We look at the fields of wheat or canola or even in the you know, backyards and the gardens that are there. But most of us have grown something. So now, can I ask you a question, Ramesh? In the eight years you've been in Saskatchewan, have you ever seen a farmer outstanding in his field, either in the day or the night, giving his seeds a pep talk and encouraging them to grow? No, I haven't. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad you haven't. Neither have I. Not in my 56 years. Uh, do you know of any farmers or gardeners who, after planting their seeds, run out to their garden or field the next morning and dig them all up again to see if, they're gro- if they've grown? No, of course yeah. not. Yeah, and me neither. Uh, no. What do they do? Well, they, they, they go to bed and they sleep at night. And then they get up the next day and they carry on with their other work during the day. And, and it's because God has designed his creation to bear fruit, and it does so all by itself without our help. Now, uh, we have a couple of garden boxes in our backyard. And each year, my wife Brenda plants a small garden in them. And this year, she planted some potatoes and peas and tomatoes and cucumbers and zucchini. zucchini. And we also have a raspberry bush on one side and some strawberries on the other side. Um, yesterday, Brenda sent this Snapchat to our family of, of the kind of the early product use of, of our garden. Um, this next picture, though, is, is a picture of our apple tree. And every year since we've lived in this house, it's produced bountifully, but not this year. <laughs> For some reason this year, our tree was totally barren. There wasn't even a single apple on it. Now, I don't think it's ever crossed my mind that this apple tree wouldn't produce any apples. That's because uh, we just take it for granted. It's kind of the default position of creation that the tree is going to bear fruit. It's natural. It's necessary. And, and when it doesn't happen, that's when we stop and wonder what, what went wrong. And the same is true of the kingdom of God and those who are part of it. Our, our natural posture is to be fruit bearers. And when we aren't, it's probably an indication that not all is well. So now, Ramesh, when, when you read this parable, what goes through your mind? Yeah, I love this parable because it reminds me what is need to be fruitful and God and his word. It's not a huge resource, which is a, which is a good because our community is not wealthy, not a fancy program or facilities, not even a special gifting or training. Jesus just God and his word, just be faithful and honest and just uh, rely upon the word of God. Yeah, I agree. Like we, we don't grow God's kingdom. He does. And that's his point. Yeah. We just need to be faithful in doing our part. And again, Ramesh, uh, I see your life and I see your church's life as a living example of this, that you're being faithful in what you have and God's blessing that. Now, let's move into the final parable in this section, which is the parable of the mustard seed. Um, 
This is what it says in verses 30 to 32. And Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it, it becomes the largest of all garden plants. And it grows long branches and birds can make their nests in its shade. Now, uh, we are going to show some pictures of some mustard seeds. And so you can see how small they are. And in Palestine, these mustard seeds were considered the smallest of all seeds, although in reality, they're not. But what Jesus wants to illustrate or wanted to illustrate is just that how big a plant comes from such a small seed. Now, a mustard seed would, would grow uh, uh, up to, uh, to a plant of about 10 to 12 feet high. Its stem would be about, um, you know, three to four inches thick. You know, basically the same size as the Russian thistles that I saw this summer at, at our lake. Uh, so, Ramesh, you know, what is the spiritual truth that God wants us to understand in this parable? Uh, this parable teaches us that from very small and modest beginning, God's kingdom would eventually grow in size and influence to the world. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened, isn't it? Uh, we know that in the Gospels that Jesus began with just a few, 12 disciples. Then in the book of Acts, we see this kingdom also growing just uh, um, exponentially. Uh, Acts chapter 2, Peter saw 3,000 people come to no, no faith. In Acts chapter 4, we see that they've grown to 4,000. In Acts chapter 5, we see that more and more people believed. In Acts chapter 6, it says the number of disciples were increasing rapidly. And then now today, uh, it's estimated that approximately one-third of the world's population, or 2.1 billion people, are followers of Jesus Christ. Yeah, Revelation 5, 9, uh, chapter 5, verse 9 says that and God's promise is that he will continue to grow his kingdom and include, uh, include people from every nation. Believers from every nation will worship before his throne. Yeah, and you know what? I, I remember when we were together uh, <clears throat> as, as a whole uh, group, a whole family of congregations at our last Christmas banquet, and we had the people from the different nations get up and, and share you know, a verse like this. And it just is a reminder of, of God's faithfulness to his promise of his word. Okay, so, so that's, that's the parables uh, today, and that's uh, your story. And again, I, I just want to say thank you so much for, um, for listening to God and for uh, carefully hearing and obeying his word and taking steps of faith. And because of that, we have seen God's um, word and Jesus Christ not sitting under a bush or under a cover or under a bowl in your community. You've put them on the table. You've put them on the lampstand. And, and people are, are seeing and knowing Jesus because you have done that. And that's something that, that um, our culture here can learn from you, that we need to elevate the name of Jesus and elevate the person of Christ so that people come to know. And, and, you know, we, we see the faithfulness you have in, in, in just using that word and taking what God has given you and being faithful and obedient to that, how God has given you more and more. And, and our, my prayer for you, Ramesh, is that God will continue to expand your church and grow, and, and it'll just keep on growing, and we'll see many, many people from the Nepalese community and Bhutanese community come to know Jesus Christ. 
And then uh, we, we look forward uh, to recognizing that God's kingdom is still growing today. It's growing all by itself. He doesn't need you and I, although he's going to use us, which is remarkable. Yeah. Uh, and he wants to use the people from your church. And he wants to use the people from our church to, to see his kingdom grow. And what the promise is, is these modest beginnings, um, if we're faithful to him and his word, and we listen and we obey, can grow into a rich harvest. Yes. And, and that's our prayer, isn't it? Is that we would see uh, many people who don't know God come to the knowledge of God. And the beauty is, is that, is that he, wants, um, he wants many more people to, to uh, do what you've done. And so that we, we hear not just Ramesh's story, and it brings us goosebumps, but we actually hear the story of God's people in your community and in, in the Ebenezer community of them reaching out to their friends. And this is a season for us to do this. This is a season where people are, are interested in the things of God. And so um, I would like to pray for you, Ramesh. I'd like to pray for your community and for Ebenezer Baptist as we close. So let's bow and, and pray. Thanks. So Father, uh, thank you so much for Ramesh and his, and his story of faithfulness the visions that you have given him, uh, his heart to want to serve you, it, it really, it truly is inspiring. And, and I think of, of um, how little he's had, but how much you've used him. And it should be an encouragement and, and a challenge for all of us. And I pray that you would continue to, to uh, grow his, his community, that they would continue to come to know you, and that this next year and the years to come, there'd be many, many more baptisms. And then I pray for the Ebenezer family and that we might uh, understand and see just a glimpse of how you want to work in our lives and a glimpse of your kingdom that grows all by itself and that we might just be faithful and you might call us and give us visions so that we can faithfully follow you. And then God, by, by your grace, would you put your hands of protection over us and would you affirm in us the promise to be with us that when we go and we share the good news of Jesus and we put you on our lampstand, let your name and your character be known by the nations, that, that many people will come to know you. And so we thank you for this day. We thank you for these stories. We thank you for the teachings about your kingdom. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Ramesh. Uh, I love you. I appreciate you. And I really do value you and call you a co-laborer. So thank you for being with us today. Yeah, thank you very much. So it's always been my pleasure and honor to be with your congregation and yourself. So yeah, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening. <music>